With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Last show of the year, let's start with a bit of a treat. Last night, we launched SEN Summer of Cricket. It takes in the test matches against Pakistan, the West Indies, the Tour of New Zealand, plus all the white ball cricket headlined by the BBL. Ricky Ponting not only held court with our partners and our sponsors, he provided the refreshments with his range of Ponting wines. So I thought let's share that with you this morning. Not the wines, of course, but the insights. Ricky Ponting, it's great to have you on SEN. Welcome. Morning, Jared. How are you, mate? I'm well. I felt last night in that gathering of cricket lovers, there is a glow associated with this World Cup victory that we are all sharing in. Could you detect that? Oh, absolutely, and and rightly so. I mean, it's it's a, it's an amazing achievement for that group of players. You know, that that particular group have been together. Well, most of them have been together for a long time. They've had they've they've actually had a lot of success. You think back to the you know the last T20 World Cup. A lot of those a lot of the guys that played in this one were in that. The World Test Championship, the Ashes that's just gone. You know, a lot of those players have been been through those campaigns as well. And when things you know got off to a slightly rocky start at the start of this World Cup, and that they weren't playing well, and India are sort of we're definitely the standout team of the tournament going into that final for the for the Aussie boys to to do it again when it matters most you know on the biggest stage and play their best game for the tournament in front of 130,000 Indians it has to be said um, you know they they needed they deserve to take a lot of credit for it you know Pat Pat himself you know is still a, a pretty young inexperienced captain even more so probably in the white ball formats for him to to get everything right on the day and the boys to get behind him and play the way they did was it was. It was great to be there and be a part of it all. So your experience there, had you had you experienced anything quite so immense as how it built up? No, never. I mean, the, the day of the, the day of the final, um, you know, that stadium at Ahmedabad holds 130,000 people. Um, pre-game, you know, I was doing the pre-game show for with, with Dinesh Kartik, and we were standing about a meter and a half apart, and I couldn't hear. I couldn't literally couldn't hear a word he was saying. The, the atmosphere that was created around that that stadium that day was you had to be there to to, to really get a full feel of what it was like. You know, I've I've been lucky to play at the MCG and you know and pretty full crowds for you know a number of games and nothing compared to what it was like that morning. And you know it went up and down because with with India's success or failures on the day, the noise of that crowd sort of seesawed up and down for the day. And you know the last hour and a half of Australia's batting innings, it's fair to say that things were pretty quiet around that stadium. How defining an achievement is it in the the leadership of Pat Cummins, Ricky? Yeah, look, I, th- I think it's huge, Jared. Um, you know, there's been question marks, if you like, you know, from different parts of the media, and you know, talking about is he the right man for the before the for the job, and you know, no fast bowler's done it, um, you know, for a long time for Australia, and 
you know, can he hold up? Will he know how to use himself best? And will he know, you know, how to, 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 to make the right bowling changes at the right time, whatever. But I think any of that, any of that questioning of his leadership abilities has got to, has got to go out the window now because he, he's he, certain moments in big, you know, whether it's an Ashes series, World Test Championship, or even, you know, a couple of games in that World Cup, he was, he was not out with the bat in a couple of, you know, really tricky situations. And I thought his effort with, with the leadership Tactically and the way that he bowled in that in the final, um, you know, he saved his best game for last as well, and that's that's the sign of a, a really good leader that's got a group of guys behind him that are that are that are you know he's he's the Pied Piper and the rest are following. How big a part of folklore will the decision to bowl first in a World Cup final um, be? Yeah, it will be. Um, you know, it's it's sort of the, the un-Australian way, if you like. Isn't it? We were talking about that last night. That you know, normally Australians would look to turn up in a big game in particular and and want to win the toss and and bat first and post the total and put some scoreboard pressure on. But if you know, when you looked at the wicket, you probably you, you probably if, if you looked at the wicket and you had no idea about the Jew that was going to come later on, it would have been a bat first wicket all day because it was so dry and so slow. But the Aussies had been there a couple of days before the final. Obviously, they played England there in one of their round games about um, you know, three weeks earlier, and and it did that ground particularly did get wet at about eight eight fifteen eight thirty in the evening, which is sort of fifteen twenty overs into the second batting innings, is when the, the dew really started to come down. It was quite heavy, and that makes it makes batting um, so much easier, and obviously bowling, in particular spin bowling, so much more difficult. And, yeah, that's where England you know, come undone. They, they didn't get enough runs on the board when they had to bat first. And with the Jew coming in, it sort of ne- ne- um, negated their spin options they had in Kuldeep Yadav and Jadeja. So um, tactically, Pat, as I said, was, was awesome. And, and I think it will be, and even on the day, it was talked about a lot in the commentary box as to what he should do first, um, bat or bowl. But he got it absolutely right. You've been there for so many of the, the great and defining moments of this calendar year. Uh, as Australia became World Test champions, the Ashes were retained and all the controversies associated with that, the World Cup, there was the Test Series in India. Just before we cast an eye to what comes next, how, how, um, uh, what an odyssey 2023 has been for the Australian cricket team. How, how have they come through it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it has been that. I mean, even, even when you think about it right now, Jared, you know, the fact that they're still in India, I think they've been on the road for over 80 days now as a, as a group. You know, they only had a couple of days to celebrate a World Cup, which for most of them would be their absolute career highlight. Um, you know, some of, some of them might have celebrated a little bit hard, harder than others, <laughs> hence missing the first couple of T20 games in India. But, um, you know, they've got a couple of games to go, then they're back home, and literally only got a couple of day turnaround before they head over to Perth. Um, I think they're in camp in Perth on the 9th of December, starting to get ready for the, the first test match of the summer. So, look, it's been a huge it's been a huge year for them, calendar year. And, and you know, well, fortunately or unfortunately, probably unfortunately for them, it's, it's coming around pretty quickly again. But fortunately for us to get a chance to, to watch these boys play and, and talk about them and critique what they do, we've only got another sort of couple of weeks to wait before the, the Australian test match summer rolls around. So what will we see is you were very generous with your insights last night. So I might ask you some of those questions that everybody wants to hear your view on at the moment is should Dave Warner be there at the start of the test summer opening? Yeah, look, I think he deserves to be there at the start of the summer. Um, but then it, I think it's, then it's up to him. I mean, I've read some reports this week about, you know, the, the farewell tour and having five tests in the summer and finishing in Sydney in front of his home crowd. I mean, that's, that's all up to David really. I mean, I, I don't think anyone can ever be guaranteed 
that sort of a run in, and, and no one can be guaranteed the, the the fairy tale retirement either. So it's up to him. You know, if he scores runs in the first few games, then he'll most likely get that the send off that he's after. But there are a few guys sort of queuing up behind him that have been doing, you know, a lot of things right in domestic cricket to get a, to get their chance to open the batting. And I mean that that time will obviously come, but when we'll wait and see, and we'll probably have a clearer picture after that first test match in Perth. Are you left to ponder whether the selectors and the Brains Trust really trust any of the three openers who have been auditioning for a while and have had looks, Bancroft, Renshaw and Harris? Yeah, it's. A, I mean, I, I see that that sort of question's sort of ramped up, hasn't it, a bit, or that speculation's ramped up a bit the last couple of days with uh, some talk about Marnus potentially going up and opening the batting and, Trying to find a way to, to get Green back in the side as early as quickly as possible. I I, I actually don't believe in that. I, I think that you know I think Cameron Green might just have to sit back and and, and bide his time and wait for the opportunity to, to, to come back and you know get a, get a truckload of runs in Shield cricket and sort of force his way back into the <coughs> into the side because <clears throat> um, it just just to me doesn't feel right that they're almost you know trying to and and if you think and part of the reason why I say that is Labuschagne's been outstanding at number three for Australia. It's a, very much a a specialist position. Um, if they moved him up, they'd probably have to move Smith up to three. You know, he's always been that that sort of four that four batsman. So it it it, it all sounds great in theory. You know, to get one of the, the most talked about and talented young all-rounders back into the side as soon as possible, but create some some potential issues along the way as well. So I, you know, personally, and I, I don't know which way the selectors will go, but personally, I, I would leave the, the batting order where it is and. Pick one of the specialist openers and give them a crack now. Um, and and unfortunately, that would mean that Green would just have to sit back and wait a while. Are you less sold on Green's Test match batting than you are his bowling? Um, I think probably what I've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's no doubt there's a, some talent there. I'm not sure he's really not not some some talent. There. There's a lot of talent there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying how good a cricketer Cameron Green is, but. Um, yeah, I think he's just probably struggled to find his rhythm and tempo a little bit in the Test match game. We've seen him come out and and look to dominate some attacks early, and he's and he's got out. Was other times we've seen him come in and be really really cautious and and not look to play hardly any shots at all. So I think it's just a you know we've got to remember with him he's a young man still trying to find his way at, at international level and coming in at number six in the in the batting order is not an easy place to bat either for someone that's batted you know predominantly higher than that through their career. So. But I mean the overall package. It's it's very very appealing, and you know if you're that you know, that that tall, we can bowl sort of over 140 k's an hour and get some shape with the with the new ball and the old ball. Then um, yeah, I've I've really liked what I've seen um, with with his bowling, and I think there's just a few little areas that he's bad at, with his batting that he's got to work on. Post Sydney, if Warner gets that far, do you have a, a leaning towards one of the three contenders, Bancroft, Harris, or Renshaw? Um. It's a hard one, Jerry, because you know I don't get to see a lot of first-class cricket. You know, I've, I've seen a few of these guys. I've seen these guys play a little bit of, of cricket for Australia. Um, and I think the point that you made probably uh, just a couple of minutes ago about you know Bancroft being there, not really nailed it. Harris had a few cracks, not really nailed it. Renshaw hasn't been given as many opportunities, certainly at the top of the order as the other guys have. But I mean, I'd, I'd just go on on what. Um, of what's happened um, most recently. And if, you, if I look at those three guys, then I, I think it's quite clear that Bancroft's the one that's got the runs on the board, um, as, as, to, as to say. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they go that way. But if I, if I wind the clock back about six months, it might have been a slightly different order than what it is now as well. So 
you know, I think they probably had Harris as the one that would come back in a, a while ago. To me now, it sort of feels like there's a bit more of a groundswell behind Cameron Bancroft being first crack. What do you see in Travis Head, who's made a century in the World Test Championship final, man of the match in the semi-final and the final at a World Cup, his evolution, the way that he's gone about it and the, the force that he is in all formats of Australian cricket right now? Yeah, it, what, I, what I see there is someone that's just playing with absolute freedom. Um, yeah, that's the way he's playing, and that's obviously the way he plays his best cricket. I think the first part of his international career, he was sort of juggling with trying to find, a bit like Cameron Green, I guess, like I was just saying, trying to find the right way for him um, to, to be successful at, at the highest level. And I think what we've seen with Travis now is, is go out and, and hit the ball right from the start, you know, try and put pressure back on the bowls from the start of his innings. And, you know, the, the World Cup, a couple of those innings in the World Cup were, were quite breathtaking, but it's been more his test batting for mine that's that's really caught my eye the last couple of years. I mean, he's, I think his strike rate in test cricket in the last two years is, is nearly 100, um, which is which is quite remarkable. And, and he's made big scores along with it. And when he makes a big score, when you make big scores and get them quickly like that, you you win games, you set up games, um, whether it be white ball or, or test match cricket. And he's done that really well. So he's, you know, right now, he's one of the... Um, one of the emerging great talents, I think, in all three formats of the game around the world. That's why I, that's the way I sort of described described him at the end of the World Cup, and I, I think it's really true. You know, he'll get a bit of a crack at it now. I think in the the T20 format, he'll be the one day opener for a while, and what he's done in the middle order in Test cricket has been um, awesome. So, I'm looking to see. I'm looking forward to seeing more of a you know, more of his development over the, the coming 12 months. The bowling stocks are really clear. The, the pecking order of the, the three frontline quicks and Boland has done so well in behind those. If Australia, across a seven-test match summer, got to a point of playing the next fast bowler, who, who do you have an eye on? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it, it'll be Boland. If one, as soon as one of those guys goes out, Boland um, will be the next one that comes in, and, and rightly so. He deserves it. He's never, he has not put a foot wrong in any, any time he's represented Australia in, in, in Test Match cricket. So, you know, if it is in the Australian summer or when they go to New Zealand, I'm, I'm pretty sure Scotty will get the first crack. But there are a couple of other guys that I'm, I'm really impressed with. Jai Richardson, for me, is a an international bowler um, all over. You know, he's, he's highly skilled. He's quick enough. You know, he's not as... He's not as tall as the other guys. He's that shorter, sort of whippier type. Dale Stain, sort of bowler, if you like. Jai Richardson that can, that can swing the new ball. And he's had some issues with his fitness over the last couple of years. But I noticed he's back playing for WA now. So um, I'd be still um, keeping a bit of a close eye on him. And Spencer Johnson's the other one that, that I've really liked the look of. And he's in the last, his last sort of 12 months as well. Sort of almost burst onto the scene in the BBL last, last year um, when he moved up to the Brisbane Heat. Got an opportunity up there and was able to close out some games um, really impressively for, for them. So, and he's someone that, you know, once again, a, a tall, you know, probably see, you have to be 6'4", I'd imagine Spencer Johnson, and, and is pushing that, you know, that 145 to 150 k's an hour sort of bracket. So they're, they're pretty exciting, those sort of guys. So, you know, once if, if it was a Stark that went out, and they were looking for the left armour, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that he wouldn't let anyone down if he got a crack at it. Ricky, I feel like no cricket conversation at the moment. Can't include Glenn Maxwell, given what he did across a, a couple of months in India. You've coached him. You've seen so much of him. Um, I'm so curious. Is uh, I don't know how we'll regard him at the end of it, uh, other than a, a revolutionary in what he's doing. Whether he could find his way back into a test team in Sri Lanka, would Australia have the imagination for that? Will he dominate a BBL summer? Just a thought or two on Glenn Maxwell and what he's been doing. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that in itself is a really good question. I, you know, I, I could see him getting back into a, a test lineup because of the all-round game that he brings in those conditions. You know, he, most of his test cricket has been played in the subcontinent, whether it's India or um, some games in, in the UAE when he played against Pakistan. And, and but because of, you know, if he get back in the middle order and, and provide that um, right-arm off-spin that is, is, and probably has always been, um, very underrated. Um, he could he could get back into a test side. I mean, the thing with these guys now, Jerry, the hard thing for a lot of the domestic players is actually just getting a, a good crack at Sheffield Shield cricket. I mean, Glenn himself has probably only played half a dozen Sheffield Shield games in the last two or three years. So you don't really these guys are not really getting a chance to to get a you know a bank of runs behind them and push their name up for selection. You know, and that's that's I think one of the one of the reasons why we're probably not seeing the, the same amount of runs scored in, across a Shield season now as we did, you know, 15 or 20 years ago with the you know, Big Bash sitting right in the middle of the Shield season now. It's a, an interrupted season and, you know, do, guys don't get a, a good um, uninterrupted run at, at, at putting a whole lot of runs on the board. So, you know, Maxi, he could, he could definitely play again. You know, you used the word so brilliantly last night. He's an enigma. That's, that's the only way you can describe him. You, you never really know what you're going to get. Um, but when it when he uh, when he does what he when he does well what he can do then what we've seen you know 100 off 40 balls against the Netherlands 200 um, not out in that game against Afghanistan which was is is the most remarkable one day innings I've ever seen you know I've been around a lot of games watched a lot of games played a lot of games I've never ever seen anything like that and then the other night he does it again you know 100 off 40 odd balls to get Australia across the line in, a, in an incredible run chase and does it all in the last over brings up his 100 I mean he, he's done some really special things over the last few weeks and, and hopefully there's more of that to come you know even through the big bash if we can get a bit of a, a glimpse of that through the big bash then you know I'll be I'll be happy and I'm sure a lot of Australians will be really happy to see it as well yep I reckon they would alright Ricky so much main event cricket right throughout this year now the Australian summer Pakistan and the West Indies I, I guess you've lived this where you've got the the softer local summer is there a risk within a, a team environment that you can be a little bit off or does playing test cricket on Australian soil uh, almost guard against that no, look, that that comes down to the individual, and it comes down to the leadership around that team. Um, and they're a pretty, a pretty resilient, pretty strong group of players around that Australian Test team. And you know, there's always other things there to, to play for as well. You know, is it you know, is it David Davies going to be Davies last summer? You know, Kawaja, and they're not going to play forever either. So there's other, there's always other little things to play for, and that. Yeah, you know, it's a very proud group, and I don't think they'll be taking their foot off the accelerator at all. I mean, the one thing I'd be saying to them is that you, know, you don't you don't get an opportunity very often in in um, international sport to really really impose yourself yourself on opposition and really nail teams and I reckon they've got a chance uh, in this summer with Pakistan and who look like they're going to be slightly weakened on the bowling front with Harris Ralph not going to not going to be here and then the West Indies we saw them last summer there in a very much in a rebuilding phase around their Test cricket um, you know, I'd be saying to go as hard as you can and and just really really try and try and bury these teams and, and win as convincingly as you can. That'd be the message I'd, I'd have for them. Terrific, Ricky. Thanks for joining us this morning and last night. We look forward to seeing you on Channel 7 uh, in Perth when we gather in a couple of weeks' time and the Ponting Wines, pontingwines.com.au. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Jared. Always a pleasure, mate. Good on you. Ricky Ponting there gets us underway this Thursday. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Have your say. Is a rejigged order to allow for Cam Green or the specialist opener at the top 
Ricky Ponting stumping for Bancroft when the time comes. one 736 736 and the 40 Winks temper text 0433 98 11 16. Temper, a mattress like no other.